so when financial advisors see women nodding their head, they're thinking, okay, she agrees, she agrees, we're good. And I've had financial advisors come up and tell me the story when they were working with a woman prospect, and they'll say, yeah, you know, I was explaining the product to her, and she's nodding. And I was, you know, going through why I recommended it, and she's nodding. And then I said, okay, well, it looks like you're ready to move ahead then. And she said, oh, no, I don't think this is the right product for me. Podcasting from Wealth Wave Studios in Johns Creek, Georgia, this is Leadership Now, the official vision and strategy podcast of Wealth Wave. Today's guest is one of the top-selling authors and leadership experts on understanding what women want and how to communicate more effectively with women. Her books, Marketing to Women, Marketing to Primetime Women, and Selling to Affluent Women, have radically altered the views of business leaders who are determined to reach the hearts, minds, and financial power of women. The Huffington Post calls her the high priestess of marketing to women, and Time Magazine calls her the chief rabbi of the she economy. Tom Peters, renowned business guru, says she's the first lady of marketing to women. We are very excited to welcome to Leadership Now, Marty Barletta. Thank you, Kim, for that very nice introduction. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Marty, for spending time with our Leadership Now listeners today. You know, your first book was excellent. Um, You made a bold statement in marketing to women that women buy almost everything. Now, it's obvious now, but it really shocked a lot of people. But, of course, we buy everything. (laughs) Why do you think it was such a surprise to so many people? Well, I have to tell you, I don't think it's obvious to everybody now, Kim, to tell you the truth, because there's a lot more people it should be obvious to than are actually acting acting as though they recognize that it's obvious. At the time when my book came out, I think everybody, and and today too, everybody understands easily that women buy most of the quote-unquote small stuff, the household supplies, who keeps your closet stocked, who keeps your your, your kitchen uh, stocked, and, and so all of the uh, deodorant and plastic bags and food and everything that comes into a household, yes, we know women make most of the purchases in grocery stores and drugstores, let's put it that way. But what people didn't know and uh, uh, and that my research uncovered, actually I was a little surprised too at the time because this was all the way back, you know, in, in right after the turn of the millennium. And uh, to find that women buy the majority of cars, now it's not the majority of vehicles because so many cars are trucks and men buy the majority of trucks. I mean, so many vehicles are trucks, but women buy the majority of cars. Women, um, depending on the year, they buy the majority of consumer electronics. And I say depending on the year because there is a pattern that normally the men are the first to adopt the newest techiest gadget. And women don't really have any interest in the newest techiest until it's been demonstrated that it works. So once the second or third generation of a new type of product comes out, women are the primary buyers of that because they buy for their whole family, not just themselves. Um, 
And let me think. Uh, there are just a lot of categories where it's thought that men are the primary buyers because men tend to be more interested. Everybody knows that men are more interested in cars, right? They talk more about them. Everybody knows men are more interested in tech gadgets and computers and all of this. Well, while it's true that men talk more about them, it is not true that, therefore, they buy most of them, it turns out. So women you know, don't, aren't as interested in the categories, i.e. they're not just our daily conversation, hey, have you seen the new uh, iPhone that's come out or something? We are not fascinated by the categories the same way that men are. When we talk about it, we are in the market to buy. Right, And so we don't spend our days keeping up on consumer electronics or cars necessarily, but when we are in the market for one, we do the deep dive at that point to find out what's in the market now. So I think that a lot of uh, the elect some of the electronics companies have kind of gotten it, and you can see examples here and there of uh, you know the Sonys of the world perhaps, but. Uh, I'm still waiting for the for the automobile manufacturers to get it to tell you the truth. Well, we have seen a lot of companies, you know, start to create more, you know, marketing content, more material that does focus on women and we've seen some really good ones and we've seen some really bad ones and I think you've called the bad ones shrink it and pink it marketing <laughs> programs. So, uh, Marty, what mistakes have you seen companies make when they do try to focus their message on women, and what have you seen some companies do right? Well, I think that, um, you know, the shrink it and pink it is, is uh, no matter how many times it is mocked in the social media, companies continue to do it. And so, um, you saw uh, American Airlines, which in all good faith really recognized that women travelers had different concerns than men travelers, and they set up a, a microsite for women travelers, and it had tips on security, and it had tips on packing, which, you know, women have a harder time packing for a business trip than men do because we just have so much more stuff we have to take along. Um and uh, they they tried to do a really good job with the content, and then at the last minute, somebody changed the the palette, the colors on the website. And I don't know what they were before, but they came out. They launched with purple and and pink colors on the website, and women went ballistic because it came across as condescending. And it's so it's it's too bad, you know, because it was a good it had good content, but they blew it from the get go by the way. They they approached women. They were like, okay, we know what you want. You want, uh, th this is supposed to signal that this site is for women. Um, and, and, and women were like, no, that doesn't signal it to me. It makes me angry. It makes me feel like you think that all you have to do is shrink it and pink it, make it pink, and I'm going to uh, automatically adopt it. And it's not the case at all. Women actually are much more discriminating buyers than men are. And just, but, but you don't even get the chance to sell your stuff to women if you introduce yourself in, or approach them in the wrong way, i.e. making these ridiculous assumptions about if it's pink, you're going to love it. Well, and, you know, some companies 
don't make any kind of distinction in their messaging to men and women. And, you know, some people make the argument or some companies make the argument, why do we need to differentiate our messages to men and women? How would you respond to that, you know, train of thought that we really don't need to provide two different messages or different messages about our products and services so that we reach men and women? Well, I think the the mistake, well, the confusion might be for some companies. You don't, in most cases, you do not need a different product for women. Um, What you need is to recognize that she may care about different aspects of the product than men do. And if you're trying to get her attention and persuade her that you have something great to offer her, you'd better talk to her in uh, in terms of things that are relevant and that she cares about. So if you look at um, uh, cars, for example, um, there are lots of car companies who are still doing the 0 to 60 in 5.5 seconds or whatever. The I don't even know the numbers because I care so little about how long it takes my car to get to 60 miles an hour. But men like it because it indicates power. And I can go faster. And I like things that, by definition, I like things that go faster. Women only women care about power in the sense of, can I accelerate onto the freeway without worrying about getting smashed by the car zooming up behind me? And so the way that one presents the, the, the feature, if you would, of power, the way one presents the benefit of it, for men, it can be, wow, it's, you know, it's stronger, faster than the competition. But for women, it needs to be, you know, if, you're, if you've ever been worried about uh, the the problem of accelerating onto a freeway, um, just know that you have the power to do this safely with this car that you might not have had that you might not have with some of the competition. So the 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 priorities are different. Uh, an example that I use sometimes is. Um, well, the, the the priorities in terms of how you communicate with women are different, and part of that tracks back to the fact that um, that women have a different decision process than men do. And I think that although some companies may have started figuring out that the the products don't have to change, they are way behind on understanding that the way we communicate with women needs to be aligned with women's priorities, not with what men care about. The the um I'll tell you another easy one with cars. Uh cars, men tend to care about for styling, men and women both care about styling, but men tend to care about the external styling. Thinking about what do I look like when I'm in this car? Women tend to care about the internal styling of the car. What do I feel like when I'm in this car? So it's it's a very different perception of what is important in the styling consideration. And the more you know about that, if you're aware that women care more about a different aspect of styling than men, and you know that women buy the majority of cars, you would do well to adapt your communications to the things that women care about. It's not to say that you don't 
uh, in men's health or whatever run ads that say, you know, zero to 60 in however many seconds. I'm not saying that you quit communicating to men, but you recognize that the people who buy most of your product want something different or care about something different. It behooves you to figure out what it is and to talk to her in those terms. Well, you know that our company started focusing on our messages to women several years ago, back in 2004, and Mm -hmm. you actually came and spoke at a meeting for us way back then. Mm -hmm. It was a great meeting, and it Mm -hmm. helped us really kind of refine our and clarify our thoughts and kind of started us on this journey of really focusing on women and how we can better help women and how we can better communicate with women. We had something really special. We had women executives in our home office. We had women leaders in the field. We had a part-time career opportunity with equal compensation for men and women. So Mm -hmm. back then, Marty, with you by our side, we were somewhat of pioneers reaching Mm -hmm. out to women in financial services. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, 10, 11, 12 years later, and there are a lot of other companies now who've jumped on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that we can be doing to continue our messaging and bring it up to date and be relevant and, you know, be the voice that's heard above the latecomers? Well, I think that um, the fact that you guys recognized it early really gives you an advantage because you've you've done so well um, reaching out to women not only as as prospects and clients but also, as you say, as as advisors. And I I I would never say that um, only women financial advisors can be successful working with women prospects and women clients. As a matter of fact, that's one of the big mistakes that a lot of the financial services companies back in the time that you were referring to were making. So they would say, yes, we're recognizing that the women's market has a lot of money, a lot of investable assets, and a lot of financial needs that are not being addressed. So a lot of them, they'd say, okay, let's go hire more women financial advisors. Well, I think it's a wonderful and a very smart thing to hire more women financial advisors, but most companies are are not as fort- as not as smart as you in recruiting such a high percentage of your of your financial advisors as women but the men too can be very successful and should be learning how to be successful in uh, marketing and selling to women prospects and clients because there is so much money and there is so much unmet need on that on that side of things. So the first thing is to, you know, it, it's odd, but in companies, uh, there are a lot of companies where the focus is uh, primarily on uh, the the wives in a couple, and so many companies don't realize the single women's market is so large. They don't realize that 27% of households are headed by single women. That's over a fourth of households. They never prospect single women. When they think about the women's market, all they think about is the wives of our clients, kind of, is how they think about it. So there's, number one, there's this this uh, this, this very large market of, of single women. Second of all, amongst couples, um, they are 
still finding that financial advisors are are having a resisting kind of paying equal attention to the wife of the couple and they'll, the this is actually often facilitated by the husband in the couple who will say, hey, you know, I make the decisions or uh, she doesn't really know that much about this stuff or something like that. And in public, the women won't generally contradict them. But you can bet in the car on the way on the way home from the financial appointment, the woman is going to say, how could you, you know, why would you say that when you and I have always done our planning together? So the thing that that flags for financial advisors is that in a meeting with a couple, you can't just sit there and assume, as male financial advisors often do, that if she has some questions or she has some objections or some different priorities, that she's going to speak up and and say, this is no, this isn't how I see it. No, I want something different. And the reason for that is that women are socialized really differently from men. And our socialization tells us that women are socialized to uh, be polite, to wait until somebody uh, stops speaking in order for us to speak. Women don't tend to interrupt as much. So if a financial advisor doesn't ask explicitly, so Jenny, you know, is that how you see it? So Sarah, is this the way you want to go as well? They're not going to hear the point of view of the woman of the couple, and that means that they're not going to get the chance to address whatever questions or objections there might be because she's the wife isn't going to bring them up until both members of the couple are in the car on the way home. And that that simple thing of making sure to ask explicitly for comments from the women can really help to uncover new needs and new priorities and, frankly, new opportunities that would never come up from the man. Well, you know, I read an interesting article uh, that you had written about the nonverbal cues women give during a conversation. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it was so on point. And if you want to maybe just talk a little bit about it, it was um, it made a lot of sense to me, and I see it happen every day, especially in conversations that I might have with uh, women alone or husbands and wives about their finances. It's it's interesting. Um, I. I, I do think that women and men, in, in, on one level, are subtly different from each other. But the thing about marketing and selling to women is it's, it doesn't have to be a big, subtle, nuanced thing. There are probably, I don't know, I'm, I've never actually put this list together, but maybe five or ten things that if people behave differently in meetings would make a whole huge difference in one's effectiveness in working with women prospects and clients. One of them is this nonverbal area that you're talking about. So, um, you know, we've been taught in our culture, in Western culture generally, that nodding your head means yes. And so when financial advisors see women nodding their head, they're thinking, okay, she agrees, she agrees, we're good. And I've had financial advisors come up and tell me the story when they were working with a woman prospect, and they'll say, yeah, you know, I was explaining the product to her, and she's nodding. And I was, you know, going through why I recommended it, and she's nodding. And then I said, okay, well, it looks like you're ready to move ahead then. And she said, oh, no, I don't think this is the right product for me. And I thought, well, what is going 
going on? She's been nodding the whole time. The, you know, and now she's just changing her mind at the last minute. And I explained to them, no, that's not what's going on at all. For women, nodding has another meaning in addition to yes, but women tend to nod kind of as a, a default option. When we're listening, we will nod to sort of say, okay, I'm with you. I get it. Go ahead. Go on. Go on. And, you know, when I'm speaking from the stage, I get that all the time. You can look out on the audience and you'll see the women who are giving visual, nonverbal feedback Without thinking about it, they'll smile, they'll nod, they'll, if, they, if they don't quite understand, they'll tilt their head a little bit to the side. Lots of nonverbal signals, which women read without even thinking about it, but men don't even realize are going on. So when a, what I say about women nodding is when a woman, the thing to recognize is that when a woman stops nodding, that is her consciously signaling something. So she is saying to a person, all right, I have something to say, and you're not taking a breath. Why don't you take a breath and let me, you know, have a chance to talk since we're talking about my needs as a prospect or client. But the fi male financial advisors don't recognize this because in male gender culture, if you have something to say, it's your job to say it. You know, you're not supposed to sit there and wait for somebody to invite you to say something. I'm putting it in, in stronger terms because I think that's how men kind of think of it. What, I'm supposed to wait and try and figure out if you have something to say from their perspective? Whereas from women's perspective, it's I'm, I, I stop nodding, okay, um, now I'm holding myself still. Now I'm crossing my hands in front of me on the desk. Now I'm piling my papers and my pens on top of each other. All these are escalations of the communication. I have something to say that women can read because we pick up on these things. And this is, you know, I'm not just saying this as stereotypes, Kim. There's been a lot of research on, on stuff like this, on nonverbal and other uh, signals. But with, with women are signaling, I have something to say. And when the male advisor doesn't stop and say, so, you know, how does that sound to you? Then she is reading, boy, what a rude guy. He won't even let me get a word in edgewise. I'm sitting here clearly staring straight at him, waiting for him to pause. And this guy has not stopped talking for 10 minutes or something. So that's a super easy tiny little tip that can make a world of difference in how the woman feels about the financial advisor. I've been on both sides of it. I've seen it as an advisor and I've seen it as a client, mm -hmm. but I think it would be great to, you know, communicate this to our listeners um, so they understand some of the things that they may not be picking up on uh, without any knowledge may be insulting somebody because yeah. they're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and honestly, Kim, I, I have a lot of empathy for men who, you know, are, are kind of uncertain about their capabilities of communicating with women, especially since some people make it 
such a, a sensitive subject, and men don't want to insult people. They obviously don't want to insult their clients or prospects. This is just a question of different gender cultures, which is kind of a counterintuitive concept. I mean, we're all raised in the same houses, brothers and sisters. Why? How could there possibly be different gender cultures? But that's the old nature versus nurture. You know, women are socialized differently than, than men. And so one of the things that's different in male gender culture is that men tend to see relationships um, in amongst or within groups of people as they they tend to see the world more as a hierarchy or a pyramid than women do and they they tend to always want to know where do they fit in the in the scheme do do you know every conversation psychologists have found is a little mini contest between uh when two men are talking so one will you know getting to know each other when they're just getting to know each other one will you know make it uh, clear that he knows a little bit more about uh, I don't know what context, sports. He knows a little bit more about sports. Okay, great, great. You know a lot about sports. Well, I know a lot about music, you know. I know a lot about music. And so they establish a little bit of awareness of who who's where in the pecking order. And it's not consistent. It's not like I'm better than you. It just means that I understand what's exceptional about you and I want you to understand what's exceptional exceptional about me. So consequently, a lot of financial advisors and I believe often financial advisors are are trained this way, they must be. The first thing many male financial advisors, actually many men in a, a lot of situations do, is when they first meet somebody, they'll say, "Okay, well let me tell you a little bit about myself." And I swear to you, Kim, you know, this is just something that women these days kind of roll their eyes internally when they hear it. Because let me tell you a little bit about myself, then launches into a little mini brag session about, you know, I went to a great school or I had a lot of success and then somebody recruited me away or I've been so great and successful and 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 and, and, and told in very professional way, no doubt. But the whole first part of the conversation is let me tell you a little bit about myself. Whereas the woman sitting in front of him is thinking, I'm sorry, I thought this session was about me. So before you go into, let me tell you a little bit about myself. In fact, no need really to go into that. This is a meeting about her. When you first meet, ask about her before she asks about you. She will ask about you. But it's your job to run the meeting, and so your job to make it clear that the focus of this meeting is on her and on her needs. Um, another thing that will happen in a, early in a conversation is as people are, are getting to know each other for the first time, you know, he'll say, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And she'll say, oh, well, um, my husband and I, I remarried last year. I have two kids from my previous marriage. Um, we're going to have a blended family. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about my mother's uh, health. Um, but she'll tell them all in these little little stories. My mother hasn't been well for a while. She moved here from uh, Massachusetts. And she'll go into some detail with the story. And the financial advisor, if he's not a little bit coached, might say, okay, he's thinking this is small talk. This is the story of her life. And women, from men's perspective, go into an inordinate amount of detail. She comes from Massachusetts. What do I care? Just tell me what your mother's financial needs are or what your needs are with respect to your mother. So he'll listen and, and, and to the story of her life. 
but he files it under small talk, and right after she's, you know, talked for a little while about about her family and whatnot, he'll say, all right, that's that. now that we know each other a little bit, let's talk about your financial needs. And the woman will just stare at him uh, aghast, uh, uh, surprised, because she thinks that she has just told him all about her financial needs by mentioning what her situation is. She doesn't know about risk management. She doesn't know about risk aversion. She doesn't care about that stuff. She wants to know, is she going to be secure in the future? Is she going to have the funds that she needs for the goals that she has? So it's not when when men hear the story of her life kind of pay attention ask for more details one of the things that men are frustrated with sometimes is that women will um uh go into uh, a, a lot of detail without making it okay so i'm thinking i would really like to um uh, buy a second home at some point or or buy another car at some point and he he thinks that that's just a general chit chat and it's not he can be picking up on details going okay well while you've been talking i heard you talk about uh blended families so you probably have some some uh you know insurance changes that you want to make i've heard you talk about wanting to buy a second car so there're probably some uh, uh borrowing needs there etc and he he can be picking up on what she's telling him and recognizing that this is what she's communicating very often I teach a technique that, that is uh, called empathetic listening. It's not, I didn't invent it. Uh, it's, it's, it's something I learned. But it's empathetic listening is saying um, it's sort of one step beyond active listening. Active listening is when somebody tells you something, you play it back to them so that that person knows that you heard what they said and you heard it accurately. So uh, active listening might be, all right, so it sounds like you want to uh, buy a second car and uh, you're going to need to change your insurance and your, uh, for your new family situation. Empathetic listening is going further, saying, I understand how you feel about that. So it would go and say, hmm, sounds like you might be a little worried about, you know, setting up the, about how things are going to work out with the blended family. Or um, is, there, is there a concern um, about the, uh, purchasing the second car? Or you sound really excited about saving up for a vacation with the extended family. This is really helpful to the financial advisor as well as to the woman prospect. Women tend to repeat themselves more often than men can understand. Women talk too much is what male uh, men often um, think to themselves. And the reason is because men will have a tendency to think, hey, I understand what she's talking about. We need a car. We need a mortgage. We need some insurance. Boom. Okay. Out of respect for her time, he might say something like, all right, I think I got the picture. It sounds, you know, let's let's move forward with insurance, uh, borrowing, la, la, la. And she'll think, no, you don't have the picture. You don't understand. You don't understand what my situation is here. But if he can play it back as empathetic listening, say it sounds like you feel this way or it looks like you feel that way, then she can 
be uh, then she can she can be uh, sure that he has in fact understood it, and she can move on to the next topic. So that's another technique, which is it, it, both of those really track back to listening. If you think about it, you know she has something to say. Make sure you give her a chance to say it. Um, read the nonverbal signals. Listen to the story of her life for the cues and the clues about what kinds of financial needs she has. Play them back, play it back to her via empathetic listening so that she knows that you truly understand her as a person and how she feels about this. Make sure you keep the meeting focused on her. It's about her, not about you. She'll ask you about yourself and then one sentence or maybe two sentences would pretty much do it. You know, I have this background and I do this work. I love this work because it helps me uh it helps me help people secure their financial futures, you know? You don't need to go into a whole lot of credentialing for yourself because your credibility with a woman prospect does not come from your credentials. It comes from your interactions with her personally right there. Thanks for listening to Leadership Now, the official podcast of Wealthwave. If you like our show and you want to know more, check out wealthwave.com forward slash podcast, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. Join us each week as we talk about the topics you'll need to help you grow as an entrepreneur and succeed in the financial business with Wealthwave.